fashion insider friends. What is up? This is the Fashion Crimes Podcast, where I cover all things fashion, style, shopping, style inspiration, and interview incredible small business owners who are changing the fashion industry for the better. Yes, I'm the best friend you never knew you needed and the poster child for fashion over 40. And I mean, way after 40. Say it with me, fashion and style are your friends, not your enemies. I'm Holly Cates, your favorite personal stylist, and let's keep it real, the only Holly you need to know. Turn it up, because I got a lot to say, and I am super stoked you're here. Hey there, howdy, what's going on? How goes it, and what's the haps? My name is Holly Cates, your favorite personal stylist, the hostess with the mostest, and of course, of course, the only Holly you need to know. If you have any other Hollies, look. You got to cut the fat. I keep saying it. You got to cut the fat. Welcome to the Fashion Crimes Podcast. If this is your first time, please make sure you sign up for our newsletter and sign up to be on our insider bestie list so you have this amazing free content delivered to your inbox every single week. You're welcome. This is episode 96, y'all. 96. What? We are just four episodes away from our 100th episode. Very special BFD guest. Going to disclose that a little bit later. But in the meantime, I have an amazing, unbelievable, can't even believe I landed her type of guest today. Today, damn it, welcome Dr. Tanya Lawson. Thank you. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh my God. Of course. Dr. Tanya Lawson, ND, is a licensed neuropathic doctor. I'm glad you're licensed at In Bloom Health and Med Spa, a premier spa in Londonbury, New Hampshire. It sounds very ladylike, Londonbury. She has been helping patients meet their health and beauty goals since 2006. And I'm just going to tell you right now, Dr. Tanya, I know we've been best friends for 10 minutes. I'm going to go ahead and get on that list, okay? Dr. Lawson specializes in aesthetic, anti-agent, and functional medicine. Her personalized approach allows her to combine the best in cutting-edge wellness, treatments, and aesthetics, positioning her to provide her patients with the very best care to meet their goals. I mean, can I get an amen? Dr. Tanya, that is such an incredible bio. Thank you so much for joining the Fashion Crimes Podcast. Let me just tell you, my shtick is fashion over 40, and I mean way over 40. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because this is important. People want to know, especially myself, because I do a lot of guessing when it comes to, I call it, like to call it the Botox train. But right. as you know, my bestie, Vian Milano of Vian Milano Italian thigh high stockings said, oh my God, you need to talk to Dr. Tanya. We met. This is great. So Dr. Tanya, I have so much to ask you and so little time. I've done all the talking. Please hit it. I was raised in Ontario, Canada. I uh, graduated at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto in 2006. And I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So as soon as I graduated, I actually opened my first wellness clinic in Ontario, Canada, and I quickly ventured into medical aesthetics. 
and combined my wellness practice with a medical spa. And I did that for about seven years. I built a really beautiful, successful practice in a a smaller area just east of Toronto. And that's when the trouble started, Holly. I met my American husband. Uh Uh Mm Ah, yes. Yeah. So big decisions coming out of that union. And we decided we were going to start over in the US. So I left behind my beloved practice, you know, my friends, my family, and I thought, you know, I'm going to try this in the US and I'm going to completely start over from scratch. Wow. I also, yeah, I also thought this is going to be easy because I've done this before. So I ended up moving to a small area in New Hampshire, um, beautiful state, love the state, but I didn't know anybody. And I decided I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to tell them what I want to do. I want to recreate you know, this medical spa and wellness clinic, just like I had back home. So you know what they said to me? The bank? Yes. They said, here is your $500 credit card that you're approved for. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. And I said, well, what are you talking Like, what are you talking about? I can't build a practice with a $500 credit card. They said, well, when they look me up, there's nothing there. And that my credit score doesn't follow me from Canada. What? So yeah. So I said to them, well, but I'm a doctor. Like, you've got to give me something better than this. You know what they said to me? Come back in six months and we'll bump you up to a thousand dollars. Um, yeah. Tell them to stop smoking crack. I might've shed a few tears leaving the bank that day, but it really put a fire inside of me to work really hard and start, you know, I wanted to start this practice. I would do whatever it takes. I would show the bank, whatever I needed to make sure I could get this clinic up and running. So it took a little time, but eventually I was able to start my practice here in the U S in 2015 with one room and one assistant. That's all I could do. Uh So with a lot of determination, hustle, sleepless nights, I was able to grow this clinic and we outgrew the one room. We went into 2000 square foot facility. And this year we're actually doubling in size to be a 4,000 square foot facility with nine staff members. I'm really proud of uh, what it took to get to this point. I was also so honored to be nominated for New Hampshire Businesswoman of the Year this year. Yeah. I did. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't win, but I did make the final. So I was super excited about that. Um, Girl, you did win. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you did win. In my book, you won. Congratulations thank to you. you. You just won. Amazing. Thank you. But I did win best doctor in my community for the past two years. So that's very humbling. And I'm so honored to serve my patients here. And I'm also the mother of three amazing girls, age four, nine, and 13. And I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm busy. I'm busy lady, but I love to set an example for my girls that, you know, you work hard, you have determination, you can do things that might seem impossible at the time. You go. I mean, I here on the Fashion Crimes podcast, we I'm very partial to women entrepreneurs. I mean, men too. There have been men on here, but I just I really love women that don't take no for an answer. I don't take no for an answer, and it sounds like you're the same type of person. And I love that. I I love that. So I want to, you know, start even though Botox is not and med spa is not considered fashion, but it is considered part of your image, right? I have seen 
people who've overdone it. I've seen people who need it, who don't do it. I really want you to explain to, I'm sure that I'm older than you. Let's keep it real. But I know that this is very popular among our age group. I would say 40 and up. Why is this? Where did the trend start? How did this start? And why do you think this is happening? Yeah. So full disclaimer, I'm proud of my age. I'm 42. I'm going to be 43 this year. Love it. So like many of uh, your clients, my patients, I'm noticing changes in my skin and in my looks as I mature. This really affects people's self-image, how they feel about themselves, their confidence. And I think whether it's fashion or whether it's medical aesthetics, we're really trying to help patients care for themselves so that they can be the best They can be in anything they want to do. It's about empowering patients. It's not about making people feel bad because they look a certain way. Right. Um, Actually, I was declined a a networking opportunity with another business because they said, well, we're body positive at our business. And I said, well, we're body positive too. Like I'm not here to pressure anyone to do anything they don't want to do. I'm here to show them options to help improve things that maybe bother them. It's not about what bothers me. It's about helping the patient really help themselves. So as we mature, you know, we, we start noticing a lot of changes in our skin. We lose collagen, we lose elastin, we lose volume, right? This is why things start falling. Um, skin starts sliding. Mm-hmm. We have fat pads in our face that actually shift. And we actually go through bony remodeling as well. Our our skull starts changing shape. It does? What does that even mean? Our our eye sockets actually become larger. So if you look at people who are more youthful, their under eyes will be a shorter length. So a lot of things we do in medical aesthetics in the non-invasive world are to try to correct those changes or try to bring you back to maybe how you were 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I have, I, what my skull, my eye sockets <laughs> are getting bigger. I, they are, they are. Okay. I don't like that. And your jaw and your jaw bone also changes. So what? Yeah. So the things we do sometimes with fillers to try to correct that can really make a huge impact. So we'll, we'll get into that a little later on when we talk about fillers. Okay. So I agree with everything you're saying. I know that the first time I had Botox, I didn't want to do it. And Mm -hmm. I just said, why I spend so much time on my looks. Why do I have to do this too? Like that? It was pissing me off. Right. And then when I did it, I went to a dermatologist and I was like, okay, I, I get it but I didn't feel like it was life-changing. Like I can't live without it. Can you speak to how much is too much? How do you coach a beginner? Let's start, let's do that. So I just want to start off with a medical disclaimer. Okay, listen up people, medical disclaimer. So all the information I'm providing should not constitute medical advice, that it's always best to consult with a provider that's close to you that can see you in person. So I'm happy to provide general information and hopefully give you tools to ask questions to the provider that you want to see. Okay. That was a fabulous medical disclaimer. And if you're in New Hampshire, feel free to come and see me. Uh, Okay. Right. So let's talk about how long Botox has been around. Botox, you know, it's been around on the market for over 25 years. Really? 
Yeah. So it's really had longevity in the industry, right? A lot of um, machines or lasers or you know devices come and go, but Botox is here to stay, I think, long-term. And it seems like we keep seeing more approvals for other amazing things that Botox can do outside of the aesthetic world. So aesthetically, Botox works by basically blocking signals that cause muscles to contract. Mm. So this allows the muscle to relax and then helps relax the muscles that are causing wrinkles, primarily in the forehead and around the eyes. So we use Botox for those angry 11 lines, the wrinkles that are made when you raise your eyebrows, and then the crow's feet. That would be primarily where we use Botox, but we can use it around the mouth as well. You just have to be very conservative around the mouth because if we're relaxing muscles, well, we still all need to eat, talk, right? So these are things to be cautious with. I think in terms of Botox, cosmetic doses have been shown to have very high safety parameters. We really don't hear of a lot of adverse effects from cosmetic doses because when we're using Botox therapeutically, let's say in cerebral palsy or muscle spasticity, things of that nature, we're using much higher doses than we would be in a cosmetic setting. Botox only lasts three months on average. So Why? Typically, Why? Yeah, I know. I know. And there's things in the works. There's other companies that are trying to make a longer lasting neurotoxin. So we might see on the market in the future products that maybe even last as long as six months. But right now, your average Botox injection, you're going to get about three months from it. Okay. May I ask a question? Of course. What is it? What are you shooting in my face? What is it? It is botulinum toxin. So it is actually a toxin from a bacteria. If you were to eat it in food poisoning, it could be very dangerous, but we are giving it in a very controlled, tiny dose to produce this paralytic effect, if you will. (sighs) Okay. So I'm a naturopathic doctor, which means I love being holistic, natural, doing the least invasive thing possible. So some, some people will say to me, well, you're a naturopathic doctor. How can you use Botox? That's a toxin. You're putting a toxin in a body. But I actually think it is a very safe medication to use for these treatments. And, you know, could you go overboard with Botox? Absolutely. You could. So if you do um, in the forehead, you might have an overly frozen look or right. inject it in a, you know, in a way um, maybe that's inappropriate or the dosing is too high. You could actually have a lot of heaviness of your eyelids. So that's why it's really important when you're trying to choose a provider, you go to someone that has a lot of experience. Unfortunately, we've all seen things like Botox parties pop up or, you know, these Groupons. I would say don't Groupon your face and I can't take credit Thank for you. that. <laughs> that Thank you. Awesome. I mean, I'm not going to go in someone's rando basement and let somebody shoot my face up. Sorry, boo. Yes, not doing do. it. People do. And then they, it's hard to have the follow-up too when you're at, like at a Botox party and you're getting Botox for the first time. Well, how are you going to see that provider if you need a touch up or if you have an issue? Uh-uh. I just don't like the idea of it personally. No, I mean, that is weird. Okay. I mean, that is weird. So, okay. So we know what it is. We know why we need it. We know they have us by the balls. Let's be honest. It only lasts for three months. 
And people who get addicted to it, they want to do it right on schedule. Here's the conclusion that I have come to, and I'm only using myself as an example. I look much better with it, but I don't love to do it because I just think the whole thing is just weird to me. And I don't know why I think it's so weird, but I get it. I understand it. I know I need it. Let's keep it real. But is it a doorway to want more? Because you hear about people getting plastic surgery and they're like, oh, let me do your eyelids. Oh, you're going to be out anyway. Let me throw this at you. It's like you hear these horror stories that that's what plastic surgeons do because it's so risky to go under the knife and go under anesthesia. Can you speak to that as far as how to keep yourself, I guess, in check and keep yourself grounded? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I think, you know, when we improve one area of the face, so let's say we're using Botox in the upper face primarily, right? Your forehead, eye area. Then when people get that done, they, they almost feel like, well, now my lower face is an issue, right? right? Like my upper face looks great. So what can I do to fix the lower face or other areas? And I, I look at it less as a slippery slope as really when we're assessing people, we want them to be, we want to do full face rejuvenation. We don't want to piecemeal and say, okay, well, we're just going to treat your forehead, even though your whole face needs skin rejuvenation. (laughs) If you're working with someone that can do really a plan for you, that would be ideal versus, you know, you're going in, you really want the Botox. That's all you're going to get. Well, then you're probably going to be looking at your face for what else can you do? So that's why going to someone, giving, getting that comprehensive assessment, maybe creating a plan that's not all done immediately but really can assess you holistically and see what is going on that that's a concern. How are we going to give you that rejuvenation so that you feel like you are happy with your appearance? How much should it be? That is the question. I go to one person in Atlanta who actually I adore and I really love her. She's at a med spa like you are. Then I've been to my dermatologist. The Mm. prices are different. And I know it's like, the jeans, they're $200, they're $80. How much should an average cost be? And what is too expensive, do you think? I'll tell you the average. So of course, as you've mentioned, this is going to depend on the level of provider you're seeing. Right. So if you're going to see specialty or you're going to see a doctor over a nurse practitioner or nurse, you're probably going to pay a little more per unit. Depending on what area you're in in the country, that could also impact the cost, right? Because rents are going to be higher in certain areas, you might pay more. So I would say the average, at least in the New England area, I can't speak for the Atlanta area, is going to be $12 to $18 per unit. Okay. So that's the average. That's the, okay. Yeah. So the unit generally um, you'll see Botox priced in unit, which is how much it's the dosing. So when we're dosing Botox, we have to look at the size of the area we treat and the strength of the muscles we're treating. So that's how the provider is going to determine your dosing. I would say it's an average of 40 to 60 units for a forehead treatment in someone who's in their forties and fifties. That's pretty standard. But again, seeing patients see their provider, they'll they'll get a thorough assessment that would determine the best dosing. Can I just tell you, I have to do it in my neck, under my chin. 
that on the the bands what's it called the the platismal bands yeah oh my god I just was she's like I want to do under here I'm like what is it gonna do it works yes it does I mean, because I'm very bony up top because yeah. when I lose weight, I mean, my clavicle bone is like, like you. I've always been that way. I carry my weight on my bottom half. And she's like, girl, let me do it under here. And it does, again, it only lasts three yeah. months, but it looks better in pictures because I get my picture taken quite a bit and it really helps. Can you tell us a story about Botox gone bad? Like, is the, do you have any horror stories that you can tell us? Let's talk about the do's and don'ts after yes, Botox. Yes, 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 yes. segue into the story. So when you get Botox, the Botox is being placed in very specific muscle groups to relax that muscle. What we don't want is that product to move into an area it's not supposed to be in. So into a muscle that maybe you don't want to treat. The rules we give patients after their Botox treatment, we say, please stay upright for four hours after the treatment, no hats, no headbands, no pressure on the area, you know, light touch. um, If you're lying down, right. Don't, we don't want you to lie down for those four hours. Well, there's a famous story where someone decided to go and get a massage after their Botox face down in the face cradle. Uh Uh-uh. And yeah, for, you know, a good amount of time while that forehead Botox moved and their brows were so heavy, you know, they could barely open their eyes. So that is, you know, things that can happen, but I'd say much more commonly would be crooked smiles can happen around the mouth. Sometimes people will get a Spock eyebrow if their full frontalis or forehead muscles not being treated. Right. those, Those are things that Often we can fix, but if there's a real, you know, a true ptosis or brow drop, that's a little more difficult. The good news is it won't last. Botox only lasts three months. Right, 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 right. It's going to wear, wear off eventually, but it can be, it can be debilitating should something like that happen. So definitely do not get a massage after your Botox. What part of do not lay down do you not understand? And don't lay on your fucking face. Okay, that is stupid. I know. I mean, but that is funny. I'm not going to lie. That will never not be funny. But when I walk through the airport, I always say I wanted to set up a fashion information booth in the airport because people dress so bad and they can come up to me for free advice. Do you walk through the airport and you're like, girl, no, uh uh-uh. Oh my God, I could t- totally fix that. Botox gone bad. Like, can you spot people like that? Yes. Me too. I don't know if I should be ashamed to say yes, but it's just when it's your industry and that's all you deal with, you just see it. Yeah. And it's so easy to see the work when you do the work. I think if someone wasn't performing the procedure, that wouldn't necessarily jump out to them. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I walk through the airport. I'm like, I can make her look 10 years younger. She hasn't <laughs> shopped in 20 years. He doesn't own a mirror. I can spot people right away and see what their problems are. So I was just curious if it was just. I think, I think you and I should set up a booth together. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I have a question. So do you say do it or don't do it? Or if you're not going to do it, don't bitch about what your face looks like. Because this is what I say. You can hire a personal stylist, doesn't have to be me, but do it. And if you don't want to do it, don't complain about what you look like or your image holding you back. Do you feel the same? Is it relevant to your industry? Uh, okay. I would say 
to a certain extent, because not everyone wants to do Botox. Right. I agree with that. They feel like very anti-toxin or they might feel like, you know what? I don't want a commitment every three months to come in that financial commitment. So there are alternatives to Botox. There are other things we can look at doing. So I always want the patient to kind of lead with what are you looking for? What are your goals? What kind of commitment are you willing to have, whether that's time-wise or financially? And then let's put some options on the table. Botox, I think, is the gold standard for treating 11s. If you've got 11s and you're not thinking about Botox, then sure, we can offer you other things, but I think Botox would work. Give me an example of something else you would offer. If I came in and said, I don't want Botox, what would you say? We could do laser facials. We could do our radio frequency microneedling. Oh, okay. Different things um, to help stimulate collagen production. But it's not going to be instantaneous like Botox. It's just not. Right. And Botox, I would say, is not instantaneous. It takes 10 to 14 It does. Full it, it, it but does. usually you're going to start noticing within a few days after your treatment. It's like letting your hair go gray. You don't have to dye your hair. If you don't dye your hair, then own it. If you're not going to do Botox, then own it. But I want to ask, is it dangerous to do it too much? Is there a threshold? Right. I think there is a threshold, but I just don't think we would meet that in an aesthetic setting at all. Nobody's died from over Botox. Not from an aesthetic. Okay. Setting. There has been reports of distant transfer when used in really high doses in therapeutic settings, but in a aesthetic setting, it has a really high safety profile. Okay, I gotcha. Okay, Dr. Tanya, I have probably six more hours of questions, but <laughs> I am just going to pick a few because I, sure. don't, I, I want you to talk as much as you can. Okay, let's talk about fillers. What is a filler and is it the same thing? And tell us what the difference is. Okay. So fillers have also been around for decades, but have improved and changed over time. So many of us can remember maybe in the nineties, you know, the collagen fillers that people would get, those tended to be something that people had allergic reactions to. They often had to be pre-tested because it was an animal protein to make Uh, sure they were going to have an allergic reaction. So fillers have come a a long way. And primarily now we use hyaluronic acid. So hyaluronic acid is a natural sugar that exists in our skin that loves water. So when we think of fillers, we want to think about it to add volume in areas of volume loss to plump tissue. So typically we're using fillers in lips, in cheeks, in jaw lines. We use it in temples, chins. And there are types of fillers on the market now that also improve your own collagen stimulation. But I'm going to primarily focus on the hyaluronic acid fillers because those tend to be the most popular. Right. That's the real filler. Yeah. So these are like your Juvederm, your Rexilin, your Versa. So these are an immediate result. Patients love them for that immediate gratification. Fillers not typically last depending on the product you use 12 months on average, but there are some products that you'll get more longevity from. Why does a filler last for a year and Botox lasts for three months? <laughs> that is obnoxiously annoying. Right, right. I know. See, we've got to make a longer lasting Botox. That's for sure. 
So fillers are also, I would say, correctable. We can inject an enzyme to break down filler and get rid of it for you. Say you didn't like it or there was an issue where Botox has to wear off. So that's really the main differences. Both fillers, when you think about fillers gone bad or people who maybe overdo it with fillers, they can look very unnatural, right? (laughs) To say the least. Right. My biggest pet peeve is when people inject fillers in their upper lip, I think it creates a really unnatural, almost monkey look. That is so weird. So if I ever see anyone coming into my office where they maybe been treated or they have migration, I like to dissolve that filler and kind of start mm-hmm. from scratch in that case. Because some people think they're vertical lip lines, they should fill them with filler. But a lot of times that's not the best way to go about treating those lines for that reason. So if you have the, what are the lines called around your mouth? Is that called marionette lines? So the marionette lines are the ones below your lower lip that kind of pull your mouth into a frown. Yes. And then the ones from the nose to the lip are your nasolabial folds. Oh my God. Okay. It's, I can't remember all that. So you would yeah. put filler in there. So when we're treating nasolabial folds, one of the reasons why that line exists is because we lose volume in our cheeks. So when we're thinking of filler, we want to think about rebuilding that structure that's been lost. And that's one of the reasons why our, our face is kind of falling, if you will. So I like to use filler in the cheek and also inject a little in that nasolabial fold if we're correcting that area. Going back to the 11s, So Mm -hmm. I like to say I have a crater, right? Well, now that I'm old, it turned into an 11, then it turned into 111, let's be honest. But I am really loving, and I'm not afraid to say that I got filler because my girl was so insistent upon it, not in a pushy way, but she was like, look, you are losing this. We need this and this and this. She did half of my face. She goes, you have to see this. She went and got a mirror and she said, Look at the difference. This is the side I did. And this is, she said, it's air in the tires. I was like, how can you argue with that? Like, how, how yeah. do you argue with that? And so, but now that it's been a couple months, I'm like, is it still there? Like, I can't, and maybe I'm just used to it. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, so if you have a fast metabolism, you're kind of unlucky in the Botox and filler world because oh. you go down the product faster. So sometimes we don't use hyaluronic acid in, you know, our athletes, our marathon runners, maybe we'll choose something more structure. We'll choose something like radius, which is calcium hydroxyapatite or Sculptra, which is polylactic acid, which is more collagen stimulation or used more for creating that bone structure. So mm-hmm. there's different options. Sometimes if a softer filler, filler comes in different, we call it G prime. So different levels of how solid they are or how firm they are, I guess is a better word than solid. So if you were given a soft product that often won't give as much longevity as something that's a firmer product. However, we can't put firmer products everywhere. You wouldn't want that in your lips or an area where there's a thin tissue. So it's really about choosing the right product for the area that the patient is presenting with. I have so many things that I can't squeeze it all in. Maybe we need to do a round two. I know, I know. We are going to do part two. Okay. With fillers, do you do it anywhere else other than the face? 
Yeah. So we use filler on the hands. You uh, we do? do it the neck. What? We do it in the, the decollete. <gasps> uh, you can even use filler in the booty. Hold on. Hold, hold, hold back up. <laughs> Go back to the hands because I am very, I hate to keep talking about myself, but I'm very veiny in my hands. So why, where would you put it? And what does that do? Why didn't she offer that to me? Why? You go back to your girl and you tell her. I guess it just plumps it back up. Correct. So usually in those cases, we're using things like hyperdilute radius, or we're using Sculptra um, to help build volume. And these are off-label uses for yeah, okay. colors, but it does work really well. There's also even things like laser, IPL, other treatments we can do on the hands as well to help stimulate collagen production. Sign me up for that, okay? <laughs> because I just got that memo. Yes. Damn it, Leslie. God, she's my girl in Atlanta. Okay. And I love her, by the way. So when you do it in the decollete, it like on top of your collarbone, like that sounds yeah, so We usually do it below where people have that little bit of creepiness or line started. We do, we don't use a needle when we're working in this area. We actually use something called a cannula, which is like a long hollow tube where we can thread the product and place it in a manner that's going to elicit a great resolve. I'm sitting here clutching my neck right now because I'm so scared, but I need to get used to that because I have a feeling some other procedures might be not plastic surgery, but I'm just, and it's not as scary as you think. And I, I always feel like we imagine the worst case scenario, whether when we're getting these treatments, right. Even, um, my first timers, they're always thinking of that overfilled celebrity or that surgery case gone wrong, but with a good provider, no one should know you've had work done. I agree. Yeah. It should be, oh, you look good. Did you get your hair done? Like people can't put their finger on what's changed. You look rested. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You look, you look rested. Uh, to me, I don't look as good as that first day after that first two weeks. That first day is like, wow, you got some good sleep. What do you do for, if somebody has really bad sun damage, is that like laser treatments or what? Laser and being in the South where the sun is, you know, so dominant and strong during a good part of the year. I always like to caution people that, you know, wait till the months like fall, winter is going to be your better time to treat sun damage. We don't want to treat sun damage. And then you're going outside in the sun. A lot of we require healing. If you get exposed to the sun, it can increase your risk of hyperpigmentation. We don't want to create problems. We want to solve them. Okay. Dr. Tanya, some of these are my personal questions. Do you do laser hair removal? I do. I have a beard. Let's call it what it is. Okay. (laughs) I have a beard. When people are like, where are you? I'm like, I had to get my beard threaded. I have done laser. I have done threading. I have done waxing. I know the hair has to be zapped in a certain growth phase. Are there any new breaking technology type? What do I need to know about is the same old shitty ass laser. Oh my goodness. No laser hair removal has come so far. When Tell I first me. Started, oh, when I first started, I used to have to ice pack people. We could barely get through treatments. It hurts. Yeah. 
Yes, the newest lasers on the market are actually, we call them pain-free. I would say it's not 100% accurate, probably more like 98% accurate because sometimes you'll feel a small zap, but it is nothing like before. So you need to find someone that has you know, one of the newer laser hair removal devices on the market because they just keep getting better and better. And it's not that the old ones don't work. They're just painful and slow. So yeah, so I would suggest to give it another try to try to find someone. We have a device called the Modus. It's made by Cartessa. Our patients love it. Um, we had an older device that we were doing hair removal on. We transferred everyone to the new device when we got it. And patients were just signing up to do more and more body parts because they're like, if this is this easy, well then sign me up. How often do you have to do it? Facial hair in women is more hormonally mediated. I know. It requires more maintenance, right? Where if you're doing your underarms or lower legs, typically we're we're looking at six sessions every Mm -hmm. six to eight weeks. But facial hair can be a little more unpredictable. So you might require more maintenance. But if it doesn't hurt and it's you know getting you more of a permanent result than um, threading or, or waxing, I think it's still a better option as long as the hair is dark. So laser hair to work, the hair must be brown uh, or black. We cannot treat red, blonde, or white hair with laser. Uh, which is super annoying because now I'm getting like gray. I, I can't talk about it. Okay. So <laughs> sign me up for that. Lastly, rounding it out, let's talk about cellulite. Because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. what is your advice for people that have been battling this yeah. and no, I'm, I mean, d- just you talk. Cause I have so many complaints. I can't even start. What do you recommend? What do you say? So I say currently we do not have a cure for cellulite. Whoever comes up with that's going to be extremely rich, right? Cellulite is often genetic. It's hormonal. Right. Um, There are different treatments on the market that can help reduce the appearance. I'm a fan of using radiofrequency microneedling. What does that do? Yeah. So it'll help smooth the skin and tighten the skin. And it also, at certain settings, if you, it'll help melt fat essentially. So when we have cellulite, we almost have this bulging fat cell with these fibrous septums that are bring it down. So it creates this rippled appearance. So by decreasing the fat in the area, we can get more smoothing. There is a new injectable treatment on the market called Quo, and that seems to be promising in terms of treating cellulite, but the bruising and downtime can be fairly pronounced. So I'm still on the fence on whether that's one of the best ways to treat cellulite, but I am following that to see if that's something maybe we add to our practice. Would you say it's more common than not? Oh, so I, I would say yes, I, absolutely. I think especially for people who've had children who are yo-yo dieters, yeah. I think most people have cellulite. It's rare for me to see someone who's cellulite free. And it's just funny because I look at my mother and that's, and she's a rock star. Okay. But still that's how my body's going to age. Even when I was 110 pounds for several right. years, my legs looked exactly the same. Yeah. And I had the exact same cellulite that I have now. I've learned to accept it a lot more, but it is my one thing that if I could wave a magic, everything else I can live with. If I could wave a magic wand, that is the causes the most stress for me in body image. Yeah. So there's things that can be done to help the appearance. 
but it might require more maintenance of, you know, because over time you might develop it again. Do people come in that are beyond your help? Do people come in and you're like, girl, no. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if their expectations, like sometimes people come in and they take their hands by their ears and they pull their skin so tight. <laughs> and they're like, I want to look like this. And I say to them, okay, that's surgery. We don't do that here, but right. you know, that's what you're looking for. A surgical consult may be your best route. You know, we're non-invasive or non-surgical. So that's what we focus on. We focus on improving the area, not necessarily, you know, we can't necessarily cure or fix every, everything that comes through our door, but we can often get very good improvements in a variety of, of different situations. So I'm very upfront with people. I only want to treat them if I think I can help them. And I think that they're going to be happy with that result, right? So the expectation, they want a surgical result. I'm not their girl. Right. You're like, dude, no. I mean, I, I, I am a miracle worker, but I'm not God. Okay. <laughs> so give us some beauty secrets other than what has been drilled into our head, which is so annoying. We keep hearing stay out of the sun. Don't drink and eat healthy. Okay. I'm willing to do two of those three, <laughs> but I'm not willing to do all three of those. And I do a little bit of each, let's just say. So besides that, duh. Give us some other tips. Is it better makeup? Is it less stress, more sleep? You know, I think all of those things are good. I think, um, you know, staying hydrated. I think even if we're looking at exercise, kind of exercise, we want people to, in their 40s and 50s and 60s, we need to be lifting heavy stuff. We need yeah. to be lifting weights, building muscle mass. That is one of the most anti aging things you can do for your body globally. Uh, without question, it's going to help balance hormones. It's going to help your skin. Like it's going to do so many good things for you. And I think one of the biggest things I noticed moving you know, from Canada to the United States, y'all are workaholics here. Mm -hmm. You know, this work life balance does not exist. People have to be on 24 seven and yeah. it's, it's killing people and it's showing, it's showing in their appearance. You know, people feel haggard. They look haggard. So I think reducing stress is, we could do a whole podcast even on that. You know, how do you even go about that when that's your lifestyle? Nolan, my best gay, he likes to call it road hard and hung up wet. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah. We are running short on time, but I am not done with you. <laughs> will you come back and do a part two? I will. Absolutely. This has been great. And I am so grateful that you have blessed us with your time. I know you are a super busy, very important doctor that's now on my bestie list. And I have your phone number. Hate that for you. <laughs> but this has been incredible. Where can we find you? Give us some final thoughts. Yeah. Tell us, educate us, ooh, oh, Botox guru. Okay. So you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tanya Lawson or at InBloom Health NH. I'm following you right now. Following yeah, you right you now. you can follow one's the clinic and then one's me. Our website is InBloomHealthNH.com. Okay. And when are you open? We're open um, Monday through Friday. We have evening times available as well. We do virtual consults, but really we can only treat patients in our state. So if you're out, of, we do see out of staters, but they come to our office. And then obviously we're doing a lot of procedures. So we really need you in the office to be treating you. Amazing. Dr. Tanya, 
I can't thank you enough. Like, I really can't. I'm so happy. I'm so excited that you came. I'm so grateful to Vian Milano, Italian Thigh High Stockings, for connecting with uh, us yeah, together. Thank you, Vian. And yeah, she's incredible. And I just want to say, when you look at Dr. Tanya's pictures that she sent me, I was like, do you have any headshots? She's like, yeah, I have a couple. I was like, cool. They are like Vogue, extraordinaire, supermodel shots. And she's like, I might need your services. I'm like, I don't know what you're smoking, but you don't need my help. These pictures are gorgeous. Wait till y'all see these pictures of her. She's like freaking beauty queen. I put the yellow dress one in just for you. I love it. I love it so much. We're going to do a part two with Dr. Tanya. I am so excited. Thank you so much for coming on and your time. This has been the Fashion Crimes Podcast. I am so excited to have Dr. Tanya. Big BFD. Thank you again. Please make sure you sign up for our newsletter so you can be part of our Fashion Insider Bestie crew. Get the podcast delivered straight to your inbox every single week. Y'all, this is free fashion content. And thank you for listening to me ramble on. This has been so incredible and so exciting. I'm about to hit Leslie up. She's going to be super mad because she just saw me. She's going to be like, bitch, I just saw you. Anyway, I'm going to hit her up at the Health and Beauty Boutique in Atlanta, Georgia. She is fabulous. Please follow us on Instagram. Send us a DM. Send us snail mail. Send us an email. Let us know what you want to hear. We have been so blessed and grateful to get to our 100th episode coming up very, very soon. Please don't miss it. Set a reminder in your calendar. I am Holly Cates, your favorite personal stylist, the hostess with the mostest, and of course, the only Holly you need to know. This is the Fashion Crimes Podcast, and we are out.